You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have another solo episode for you today, which has come highly requested because it's a topic that I think our clients don't totally have a full grip on, which is exactly why I wanted to record it as a podcast episode. This episode is going to be all about decoding brand architecture and how to create a really strong foundation for your brand when you have multiple offerings or multiple ideal clients or multiple SKUs, maybe it's multiple services. This is really going to help you get some clarity and some organization for your business by mapping it out in what we call brand architecture. So without further ado, we'll get into the subject matter. Of course, if you love today's episode, please don't forget to share on social and tag us. It really helps a lot. And I love to hear that you guys are actually learning from the show and getting good value out of what we have to share in the podcast. So always, 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 if you get a chance, screenshot it or share it directly from Spotify. It really does help us a ton. Today's topic, brand architecture. What we're going to try to get at is really the definition of brand architecture and the role that it plays in defining your company's brand strategy. So this is one of the questions that we ask in the brand questionnaire portion of our business. And it's always interesting to me on the first call where we're reviewing the brand questionnaire, how much clients forget that they offer lots of different things. So I'm going to use some client examples. I'm going to use examples of kind of my own business, but hopefully this will really kind of help make the picture clearer for you as far as brand architecture and how to think about everything that comes through your business to make it make sense for your audience. So the importance of brand architecture is that it really provides clarity and structure, obviously, right? It's kind of creating almost like an org chart of all the different branches or like a word map. If you remember in like elementary school and like a creative writing class, you kind of map out the things that are related to each other and create webs, like a word web, right? of all the things that have a through line back to the originating source, which is the business. It also helps manage brand perceptions and relationships and facilitates effective brand growth and extension strategies. So let's use, for example, the concept of a hairdresser, right? Someone who cuts and colors hair. Their hairdressing company, if you're going to map this out in a brand architecture, would start at the top. You'd say Sally's, well, Sally's is funny because Sally's is a hair products company. But if you say like Sally, the hairdresser is the business, what she offers is the first branch off of that brand architecture, which would be like hair cut and color, right? So hair style cut and color is her offering. That is her service. She has only so many hours in the day and only so much time in the salon, in the chair where she's making money. So like that's one revenue stream is the service. Let's say Sally also does online education about being a hairstylist. So she has an educational branch to her business underneath, which is her online courses, eBooks, email newsletter, et cetera, right? So she's got the service and then she's got the digital product. Let's say she also earns commission on sales of shampoo, conditioner, straightening products, hair frizz oil, et cetera, right? So that's another revenue stream or another branch off of her brand architecture. And then lastly, let's say that the social media and in-person events is something that she really loves. So she loves doing public speaking. She loves sharing because she is an educator, because she does have digital products. So she's got kind of her branch off of that, where she is also 
a hosting events for the community and is a public speaker. So already just in this like two minute example of someone who's a hairstylist, we've come up with a brand architecture that has the company at the top and then all the different branches out of all the things or offerings coming out of that company. That's what we're talking about with brand architecture. So if you want to look at this from using my business's example, we have MKW Creative Co. at the top. We offer branding. That's one branch. We offer social media. That's another branch. We offer merch, packaging design, creative direction services, photo shoot like management services, creative campaigns, event marketing. That's kind of in like our a la carte bucket. Then we also have the podcast, of course, because you're listening to it now. We have the Facebook group, Kiss My Aesthetic. And then we also have a branch, which I would just kind of call like my social media in general, right? So sharing things through social media, through TikTok, through Instagram, Facebook group, LinkedIn, Pinterest, YouTube, that's a whole branch of this offering too. So again, the architecture starts getting filled out really quickly once you start to structure out all of those different offerings. That being said, there are also different types of brand architecture. And I find myself explaining this to clients a lot is how to differentiate and define what those different branches are. So even in the example of my company, MKW Creative Co. has offerings. We have brand design as a service. We have creative direction as a service. We have social media marketing as a service. But then we have kind of like the Kiss My Aesthetic branch, which is separate, right? That's like educational content, podcast, Facebook group, et cetera. That's not called MKW Creative Co. podcast. It's called something else, right? So it's a separate branch. This is totally optional. There's no one right answer for creating your own brand architecture. But I think once we start kind of breaking down the components of brand architecture and the different types of brand architecture, it'll start to make sense, right? So the first type of brand architecture is called monolithic or like branded house. This means that there's one brand name across all the products and services. So an example of this would be like Apple. Apple makes iPhone, Apple makes MacBook, Apple makes iPad. Like it's all coming out of Apple as the brand. So that's like the big brand at the top of the umbrella. That's the top of the food chain. And then all these other little branches kind of filter down out of that big monolithic brand house, Apple. Another type of brand architecture is called an endorsed or like sub brands. So think about brands that have their own identity within a larger structure. So an example of this would be like Courtyard by Marriott or Bonvoy by Marriott. Those are two different types of hotel experiences under the larger brand umbrella Marriott, and they may have different looks to them. So this is something I think you can think about with your brands is like, how are we going to define which brands have their own look versus which ones have fit under this larger architecture? So to use another example, Hotel Lobby Candle, they have, they sell candles. They've got a brand architecture for core candles versus city collection candles that are different. Those candles get different treatment. They get different packaging design. They get different deliverables because they're kind of sub brands underneath the larger brand of Hotel Lobby Candle. Same thing for something like Dental Hygiene Nation, which we've worked on. Dental Hygiene Nation is the large brand. And then the sub brand of Dental Hygiene Nation is, for example, their subscription box. So DHN 4910 is their subscription program. That's broken out separate from the main brand being Dental Hygiene Nation. The last type of brand architecture is called like a pluralistic architecture, which is more of a house of brands. So these are standalone companies that fit under one big corporate umbrella. 
So an example of this would be like all the work that our team did with Hemsley Ventures. Hemsley Ventures is a venture capital company. They're the big umbrella. They own all of the sub brands. So all those independent companies underneath are fitting under one big umbrella, one big house of brands. And even those are broken down into subcategories. So we've got like food and hospitality. We've got restaurants. We've got different like consumer product goods. Those are different categories underneath the larger house of brands, but they have their own identity that's not necessarily co-branded with the larger holding company, if that's making sense. So for example, like Kiss My Aesthetic is pretty closely related to MKW Creative Co. Like the two things share a lot of the same brand elements. They share a lot of the same look and feel. They're pretty related, right? It's not like they're on two totally different universes versus if we look with Hemsley Ventures, like Rock Hill Cheese and Polar Bear Eats are two totally different standalone companies that fit under the larger ownership umbrella of Hemsley Ventures. So when we're mapping this stuff out with clients and we're really starting to understand, okay, you're a fitness professional. What is everything that you offer? Like, how can we take everything that you offer and give it structure and give it space to belong in this like family tree? That seems to really help people think through what it is they're bringing to the table. And sometimes the clientele or the ideal customer for each of those branches, sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're different. So when if you're creative and you're working with your client or you're a business owner and you're starting to consider these things, sometimes you just have people that come in for one of your offerings of your brand architecture. They're not going to make it through the full sweep. Other times you have people that come through and take everything that you've got to offer and they exist all the way across your brand architecture. But I think by organizing out your brand architecture and breaking out what it is that you do from what it is that you offer and who it's for, you can get so much clearer on how the things relate to each other. So I talk about this a lot with clients when they say, you know, we have this initiative, this initiative, and we think that people are getting confused. And I always try to drive them towards like, okay, we want these two things to look like siblings, but not twins. And I think that that really helps, right? Like Kiss My Aesthetic is the sibling of MKW Creative Co. And so you can kind of approach the two things of understanding like, okay, which one's more fun and playful and quirky and which one's more professional and polished, which one is you can kind of play with these spectrums and play with the parameters to make it so that you have a differentiation between your offering, but that it's not so cut and dry, which one is which there's the subtlety to it. Like you can tell that they're related to each other, but they're not necessarily the same thing done twice. And I think that that's really what's important. The benefits of having a well-defined brand architecture are too many to mention, but I have narrowed them down to just a few talking points. First and foremost, streamlined marketing efforts. When you understand which brands or which sub-brands or sub-efforts or branded pieces and parts are related to other pieces and parts of your business, it helps you actually streamline how you're marketing those things. You can do this a few ways. You can do this with logos, of course. You can do this with colors. You can do it with fonts, with photography. You can start to create that differentiation that's really putting those two things out like siblings or cousins, but not twins of each other. It also helps you have clear communication with your target audience. My Kiss My Aesthetic audience is very different than my ideal client avatar for branding. There's crossover, of course, but I know that the majority of the people that tune into this podcast every single week are probably more similar to me three or four years ago than they are to the client that has a $60,000 budget to work with us. So I'm aware of that and I'm catering to the person that's listening to the podcast and not necessarily trying to encapsulate the ideal client 
in this effort because that's not what it's for. And my whole thing with Kiss My Aesthetic has always been to create the community that I needed or wanted when I was learning. So that's a totally separate effort from what I'm doing on the marketing side to get new clients and to share about our projects and promote our services. Those are two different things. And that's on purpose. That's what I'm talking about with brand architecture. The next thing is to really create an enhanced brand equity and value. So instead of trying to put all of your eggs in one basket or everything under one umbrella, by creating a brand architecture, you can actually start to segment out your clientele and segment out your audience. A lot of times I'll talk about this as well as like kind of your ladder of offerings. So your first offering free, the next offering bite-sized, the offering after that signature, and then the offering after that being VIP. So when you can segment out that customer journey from like, who's coming to me for the free thing? Who's coming to me for that like bite-sized offer? Maybe it's a one-time deal. It's a consulting session. It's a, even a discovery call, whatever, but they're not really in that signature service space. Like, How do I cater to that person? versus how do I cater to someone that wants to come to us because they are a slam dunk, great client. They want our signature service. They say, Michelle, hit me with the best branding you could possibly come up with. Those are all different people. And then even then, different from the VIP VIP offering, which is going to be the person that came to us for branding and then stuck around for creative direction and says, I want MKW Creative Co's fingerprint on everything that we do. So segmenting out that audience comes part and parcel with this brand architecture. So if you can imagine, again, back to the original example, MKW Creative Co. at the very top, we've got branches off that say like services, then the other branches, podcasts, the other branches, social. Underneath services, we have more splits, right? You have more splits based on who's listening to what, right? We could do the same approach with the podcast. There's a podcast audience that listens to every single episode, never misses a single episode. And like, takes notes and loves everything that we have to say. There's other podcast listeners that are just coming in to get like that one bit of information or they're coming in for one interview or they're coming in to just binge the solo episodes. So that person, again, slightly different in the brand architecture and how you would talk to them or market them is going to be different than the person who's just like, yep, consider me part of the community I'm in. Lastly, One of the best benefits of having a really, really well-defined brand architecture is it makes it really easy to measure what's going to be a good fit and what's not going to be a good fit based on your existing offerings. So it's easier to introduce new products or new sub-brands when you have a really, really, really clearly defined architecture. To circle back to the Hotel Lobby Candle example, when they're launching a new candle, we're always having the conversation, is this a core collection candle or is this a city collection candle? It's a very easy distinction to make because if you're going to launch a candle called Aspen, like obviously it's a city candle. If you're going to launch a candle called Spa, it's a core collection candle. But putting some parameters around that so that we're not making candles that are like hotel lobby candle mountain. Like it's a little too vague. It doesn't tell me clear enough where it is from a city's perspective or where it fits in a core collection. And a core collection candle for us is something that you can experience in multiple locations, right? So spa, linen, signature, which is like their lobby smell, like there's certain candles that really fit the definition of what it's like to stay in a five-star hotel that we define as core. And then there's ones that are named after cities that are obviously cities. It's a very like straightforward example. Some of the challenges in developing your brand architecture can come up when you start to add too much. So I also see this happen is like, this whole like multi-hyphenate, multi-passionate entrepreneur 
who wants to be like a service provider and sell digital products and be a public speaker and have a product-based business and, 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 you're making it harder for people to understand where they belong in your lineup. So sometimes like doing the most or really filling out a brand architecture too much, it's time to just like imagine it's a tree. It's time to like prune back the tree. Let's get to like three or four really strong branches that are healthy and thriving before you ever consider adding on more branches. Because if you add on a ton of branches and you weigh them down with a ton of work, it's going to get more difficult to market those things. And also you're going to give your audience freaking whiplash. If you're constantly rolling out, I've got a group program and one-on-one coaching and group coaching and online course and digital product download and service-based offerings, you're going to create confusion. And even if you know how it's organized, if it's not clear on your website, in your marketing, in your copy, in your design aesthetic, you're going to lose people. So that's one of the biggest things that I think people struggle with when it comes to brand architecture is like you give them this framework to work in and then they want to write out every single thing that they've ever done into this org chart to make it make sense. And I think that there also needs to be like a careful audit of the things that you're doing to make sure that those things aren't overlapping, they're not conflicting each other, that you know sometimes there's this effort and sometimes this kind of fades to the background. Those are some of the things that I think like people can get really overwhelmed by. And then the tendency is to overload that brand architecture with too much. So same with the example of Hemsley Ventures, like they have very clearly defined categories for businesses that they invest in that make sense under their umbrella, which are restaurants, luxury hospitality, and food. And then we have like one miscellaneous asterisk category, which is like community-based. So everything needs to kind of fit in that. So if there's a company that comes forward that's like a software, it's not going to fit in their brand architecture. That doesn't mean they can't take it on, but that means like, what are you going to give up to get? Like, okay, maybe the restaurants and food category can get melded together. And then now we can also make room for like tech or SaaS. Like you've got to find ways to constantly be like pruning and grooming that tree to make sure that you're accommodating everything that you have to offer without confusing your audience. The other thing you can be a challenge when it comes to defining your brand architecture is that the market changes and business offerings change, right? So because it's not set in stone, people forget that they need to come back and reevaluate their brand architecture. This is something I do pretty much every December when I work on my website because we don't take on client projects in December because of the holidays. And we push everybody to January 1 for a start date as soon as Honestly, pretty much now is when we're starting to push people towards January 1. But it's because I like to really audit what's working, what's not working, what do we need to eliminate, and what should we bring back. And one of the things I'm looking forward to bringing back are these like master classes, kind of like quick little downloads, like 40, 50 bucks, listen to me talk at you for an hour, but see the visuals as well, right? Like see the presentation, see the work samples, and really start to understand things like how to make gifts or how to direct a photo shoot or the art history training that I have that I've made and recorded and given at conferences and to make those back available to you guys. So that's something that in our family tree of offerings at MKW Creative Co, like you could say that branch like kind of died off and now we're looking to kind of nurse it back to health and bring it back. So paying attention to that, paying attention to market changes, business growth, evolving, but also being cognizant of putting your eggs in too many baskets. I think those are all the things that as a business owner, it's like all the fun stuff we get to do. But when you're working to kind of grow and build 
a multi-passionate, multi-hyphenate company, it's also really fun, right? Real world examples, you can see this happen all the time. So if you think about Meta as an example, Meta, aka Facebook, started as Facebook, they've acquired Instagram, they've acquired WhatsApp. Those are kind of like under this house of brands example, where they have, it's like Instagram by Meta or WhatsApp by Meta. There's going to be kind of that tagline. This is where you can also on the creative side, get into a lot of the visuals. What does that look like? What is the lockup of the two logos together look like? How does it function? Where is it seen, right? It's almost never seen except on the, if you're in Instagram and you scroll all the way to the bottom of the settings page is when you'll see that Instagram by Meta, but they like to pass them off as all independent companies when really they're under one big ownership. Same thing for like hotel groups, right? There's some hotel groups that they use the brand name to really drive the hotel itself. So like Amon Resorts, right? There's Amon Giri, there's Amon Zoe, Amon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, versus just being like Ritz-Carlton. And Ritz-Carlton is a Ritz-Carlton is a Ritz-Carlton. A St. Regis is a St. Regis is a St. Regis. Like, yeah, there might be differences between the different properties, but you're going because just like that's the brand, not that it's something separate or like co-branded as a different offering. All of this stuff is like my nerd topic that I love to chat about. And I think that one of the things I want to leave you with before this episode is over are just some tips for building an effective brand architecture. I think the first thing that you need to keep in mind is you got to start with a clear understanding of your business strategy. What are you offering? Who is it for? How do they access it? And what's your end result? What are your end goals? What are your values? What are the things that you're bringing to the table? What's the best case scenario of someone working with you or your brand? What's the outcome that you're after, right? So having that clear understanding for setting your business strategy really needs to be locked and loaded before you start talking brand architecture, because you're going to be measuring your brand architecture against those values, mission, vision, dreams, goals, etc. Another thing that can really help with effective brand architecture is understanding how your team is involved cross-functional across all those different offerings. So for example, on the branding social media side, the offerings, the services branch of MKW Creative Co. requires a certain team. So that's myself as creative director, Gabby for branch management. We've got Madison, junior designer, Josephine, a video editor. And then we have Cody that's making sure as a business manager that all those things get managed. Then the next kind of bump over to Kiss My Aesthetic podcast, really the only involvement is Berta, podcast editor, and Cody, business manager, and myself, right? So it's not so much that like every single effort has its own team. It's just sometimes you're going to have some teams on some things that are not involved in other things. So understanding not only the business strategy and the actual layout of your brand architecture, but understanding what talent and resources you're going to need to actualize those things is really important. And who's going to have full visibility across the board. So in our org chart for MKW Creative Co., it's myself at the top and Cody is right there as my number two. She is online business manager. She manages my schedule. She oversees client timelines. She does proposals, contracts, invoices, payments, everything. So having her have full visibility on all of the efforts is really integral to how this business runs. The last tip that I'll leave you is you should be regularly reviewing and adapting your brand architecture as your business grows. This is another thing that I think businesses get wrong all the time is that they work with a brand strategist one time, they lock in their brand architecture, and then they never revisit the brand guides ever again. Brand guides are supposed to be a living, breathing, working document and a reflection of where your business is at. 
So setting a schedule regularly to figure out like, okay, which efforts are working, which ones aren't? What do we want to bring back? What do we want to moonlight out? Where do we want to put people, right? These are all the questions you should be asking yourself. Not so often that you're changing course. For me, that pacing looks like once a year. It's every December where I don't have client calls. I'm not recording podcast episodes, but I'm really just sitting down to dive into the business and work on the business and not necessarily in the business. And for me, that like once a year pacing seems to work pretty well. So that pretty much does it for brand architecture. I know this was a lot of information and you guys know that I talk stupid fast. So if you need to listen to it at half speed, absolutely. If you need to come back and re-listen to it. If you have any questions, of course, like please come on over to the Facebook group. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is totally free to join. It's an open group. And there's, like I said, like 6,500, last time I checked, members. And you can post any of your questions about your business in there. I'm totally happy to help answer. And if I don't answer you, definitely someone else will. Please feel free to share your thoughts on any of the brand architecture stuff in there and absolutely share this episode. It really does help us big time. And we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.